Good morning. How is everyone? Good? All right, good. So we are in the book of Ezekiel. Still. All right. So I've decided to do something a little bit different this time. I don't have a PowerPoint or an overhead, but I do have handouts. So those are being handed out now uh, or passed around. I don't know if I've made enough copies. I've made about 75 copies. I was hoping that's enough for everybody in here. So if you don't have one, you can raise your hand maybe. Todd will pass those out. So... So where we've been, just kind of a quick review. Uh, we've gone through the first 11 chapters. Actually, I'd like to go back and talk a little bit about in, in chapter 11, because uh, talking with, with David last week, uh, I wasn't able to, to touch on his favorite part. So we'll go back and, and touch on that a little bit. So, But just a, a little bit of a summary. First seven chapters were in, is the fifth year of the captivity of uh, Ezekiel and also Jehoiakim. Um, king of Israel. The and so within those chapters we have the first vision. We have uh, Ezekiel's commission. We have some symbolic acts that he performs. We have some uh, indirect prophecies that take place. So this is uh, chapters one through seven. In eight through eleven we have another vision, the second vision. This is uh, the vision of the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, and this is in the sixth year, so this vision will last from chapters 8 all the way through the end of chapter 11. So Ezekiel is, is there, um, God shows him these things, and then he goes and speaks to the, to the, uh, to the people of Israel that are there uh, in captivity in Babylon. So just kind of looking at that, if you look at chapter 8, uh, I don't, I didn't, Give the handout for for chapter uh, the first few chapters that we did, or the chapters we did last week. We're starting with chapter 12 here, but if we look at chapter 8, this is where we're, we're seeing the the abominations or the sins that the children of Israel are committing. Um, in chapter 9, we see the the judgment that God has implemented. We see. Uh, the punishment there, chapter 10, we see where God is departing from the temple. So we see the people are committing sins. Uh, there's a punishment that's deserved for that. And also at the same time, they're driving God away from the temple. So the reason that he's departing is because of the sins of the people. There in chapter 11, we also see some of the judgment that will come upon the wicked counselors, the leaders of the people there. That's in the first 11 verses. And then... In verses 14 through the end of the chapter there in, in chapter 11, we see, um, I guess, some comforting words uh, in that a remnant will be saved and a remnant will return to the land of Israel. So this will happen uh, at the end of the captivity uh, in around 536 B.C. When, when Cyrus will actually send the, the children of Israel back to build the temple. But we see there in chapter 11, and I was wanting to start reading a little bit in verse 16. So if you're there in chapter 11, verse 16, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go through this, read some of it, and then kind of summarize some also through the end of the chapter. So verse 16, it says, Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, the message is always directly from God, 
Although I have cast them all from the Gentiles, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet I will be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they've gone. So even though they've committed these abominations, God is casting them away, sending them into the nations where they'll be held captive. He still has care and compassion for them, right? He still has love for His children. So He's going to be a little bit of a sanctuary there. There'll be some divine protection for them while they're in Babylon. We see, you know... Another prophet, Daniel, how he's in the uh, in the palace there. We we see how he is delivered. We see how uh, he's able to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. So we see some divine protection there. God taking care of His children, even though they're there in captivity. Verse 17 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you from the countries where you've been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. So this is when they come back. And it's interesting to note that who is it that scattered the people, sent them into captivity? And who is it that will gather them back from where they've gone? God. God is completely in control of this, right? And He's doing this because of the sins that they've committed. So everything that happens here, it's God's plan. God knows what He's doing. And God is doing this in order to, I guess you could say, punish His people, but also to try to get them to repent, to turn away from their sins so that He can bring them back. That, that's his, his main focus, is to get them to repent, to bring them back into a right relationship uh, with Him. If we read on here, verse 18, He says, And they will go there, and they will take away all its detestable things and the abominations... From there, this is the land of Israel when they return. What is it they'll do? They'll take away the abominations. So this 70 years of captivity will cure them of their idolatry. And when they come back, they'll remove these things. And once they remove these abominations, they remove all of the sins that they're committing. What is it that can happen? It tells us in the next verse, in verse 19, he said, Then... God says, then, after all these things, then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of the flesh, out of their flesh and give them a heart or, yeah, out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh so that they'll walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and and do, let's say judgments and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. So it's this, this captivity, when they come back and they take away the detestable things, the abominations, their heart is now not focused upon the idols. What is their heart focused upon? Right. The, their heart will be focused upon God, not, not the idols. And once their heart is, is, I guess you could say, changed and turned and focused upon God... That's when God can really work, right? So God is, is, I think this is the first mention of heart surgery here in the Bible. We have the master physician that's performing an operation here, removing the heart of stone, the stony heart. Right. The heart of stone indicating what? Right. Yep. What, yep. What is the heart of stone that, that he's talking about there? They don't actually physically have a heart made out of rock in their chest, right? But what does that represent, the heart of stone? Right. 
hardness of hearts in a, in rebellion against God. Right? Remember chapter 2? How many times did we see the word rebellion mentioned? Just in the first six verses? Like eight, ten times? They're rebellious. Rebellious against God's commands, against um, what, what He wants them to do. They're more focused on their own desires, the idols that they have set up. So, and then the heart of flesh that's shown there. What is the heart of flesh? What is, what is this? Right, exactly. Soft heart, wanting to do God's will. And only at, and so, you know, God, is, is God going to make them do this? No. Just like He's not going to make us you know, obey His commands, right? It, it has to be a willingness from us. Even though we see that, that here it says God will give them a heart of... take away the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, but there's also got to be some... You know, God makes the initiative, right? He always is the one that makes the first step, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So God always makes that first step toward us. But there also has to be initiative on the part of the people, right? They have to want to to obey God's commandments. And if you look over in chapter 18, Ezekiel chapter 18, toward the end, chapter 18, that's where we find, you know, the main theme of the book of Ezekiel, the soul that sins shall die, but repent, turn, and live. Look at verse 31, chapter 18, verse 31. This is what he tells the people. He says, Cast away from you the transgressions which you have committed, and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? He's, he's telling them that you need to get a, a new heart, a new spirit. You need to, you know, the heart, you know, as far as the, the emotional place that we have, and also the spirit, you know, what drives us, what, what our focus is on, those things. That's what they're needing to change. That's what they're needing to to take from their idols and and to channel toward God. And then God is able to do, uh, I guess you could say, marvelous things with us. Right? He's able to continue to transform us and to make us more into His image. So this is the the desire of God here in chapter eleven. So we we see this this. Mention of the remnant, we see, you know, this new heart, this, you know, they're going to come back. So it, it's a glimmer of hope in a book of lamentation and woe and, and all of these things which will come to pass. Because we're in the, here in chapter 11, we're in the sixth year of the captivity. <clears throat> There's still uh, three more years before Jerusalem will be besieged, another five years uh, before it will be destroyed. And then after that, they have to endure this long period of captivity all the way from, I guess, 586 all the way through 536 until they're eventually, until they eventually go back to the land of Israel. And then in verse 22, kind of closing off, so we have this, this glimmer of hope. And you know, when I was reading through this, I felt good. You know, I thought, oh, look at this, you know, and, and you know, it's, saying, you know, they shall be my people, I will be their God. And then in verse 22, we see the vision that we saw in the first chapter, uh, the glory or the appearance of the glory of the Lord. We we see that vision there departing 
not only from the temple, the, the glory of God departed from the temple in chapter 10, but here in chapter 11 we see that the glory of God is departing from the city. And it, it's interesting to note that it's going toward the east, so it's in the mountains toward the east, which is in the direction of Babylon. Okay, and then after that, that's when the Spirit took uh, Ezekiel back. He was there with the, the people in captivity, and then he starts to tell them exactly what he saw, the message that was from God. So thoughts? Questions? Stephen, I think yep. Yeah. 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 And I think it's marvelous because his ways are so much greater than ours. I mean, yeah. It's a good point. Any others? Okay. All right. Getting into chapter 12. So we said in in chapter 8, we were in the sixth year, the sixth month uh, of the, the captivity of Ezekiel, of. Jehoiakim, so that will continue. So we're in chapter 12, and this goes all the way through, I think in chapter 20, where we pick up and, and go to the to the ninth, to the seventh year, right? This is the sixth year? Yeah, we'll go to the seventh year in chapter 20. But So chapters 8 through 19, this is the sixth year. We'll continue through. And if we look at the overall timing, I guess, or the summary, so chapters 12 through 24 deal with the prophecies and the judgments against the children of Israel. Uh, And in chapter 24, we see that ending with the the, um, Jerusalem being besieged. But chapter 12, so looking at chapter 12, we have the handout here, so I was going to follow along. That way you can take notes if you'd like and... Uh, we can look at that. Some of this we'll, we'll kind of summarize. The, some of it we'll read. All right. So in chapter 12, uh, we see that the Lord came to, to Ezekiel um, saying that he dwelt in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see but does not see and ears to hear, uh, but they do not hear because they are a rebellious house. So what, where else do we see this? What, what does this mean? They have eyes to see but they can't see. They have ears to hear, but they can't hear. Yeah. 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 God has given them the ability to see. God has given them the ability to hear, but they're just not perceiving. They're not uh, understanding uh, what it is that He wants them. So they're, they're still you know, living in rebellion. They're focused upon their idols. And this is kind of what they're able to see. They're not able to see uh, what it is that, that God, uh, God's commandments for them. And so in this, um, God tells Ezekiel to um, do another, I guess you could say, symbolic act. He says, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take all your baggage and stuff, and I want you to walk out of your house. I think also dig a hole in your wall and walk outside of the house like you're going into captivity. And so we see that in verses 3 through 6. And I want to read through this, and I want you to tell me what, what is the phrase that you hear so often. It says, Therefore, son of man, prepare your belongings for captivity and go into captivity by day in their sight. You shall go from one place into captivity to another place in their sight. It may be that they will consider, though they are a rebellious house, by day you shall bring out your belongings in their sight, 
as though going into captivity, and at evening you shall go out in their sight. Like those who are going into captivity, dig through your wall, dig through the wall in their sight, and carry your belongings out in it. In their sight, you shall bear them on your shoulders and carry them out at twilight. You shall cover your face so that you cannot see the ground, for I have made you a sign to the house of Israel. What what is that overall repeating phrase in there? You may pick it up. Yeah, in their sight. Do these things in their sight. So, you know, they're not able to see and perceive. They're not able to hear and understand. But maybe if you do these things in their sight, uh, looking at verse, uh, where is it? Verse 3 here, at the last sentence in verse 3, said, do these things, and it may be that they will consider Maybe once you do these things, you do these, this, yeah, this, I think a commentary I read, it's like a street performance. You go out and do these things, and, and again, you know, God has not told Ezekiel to speak, so he's still saying, staying silent, right? So he's just doing these things. And it comes to a point later in the, in the chapter, you know, where, where God says, have the children of Israel not asked you, what, what are you doing? It's, it's a little bit later. Uh, there in verse 9, he says, Son of man, has not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said to you, What are you doing? It, it's kind of interesting that he does these things, and it interests, it gets their interest up enough to where they're like, I've I got to know what's going on. What are, you, what are you doing here? But the purpose of this is just so that they may consider the things that they're doing. But I don't know, they're a rebellious house. Maybe, maybe not. And then in verse 7 it says, And Ezekiel did what? I did as I was commanded. The Lord told me to. I was obedient to His command. I did that. Okay? And so, let's see. Looking at the sheet, that's the second bullet point. He did that in their sight. The the purpose is found in verse 3, so that it, it may be that they will consider, that they would see this and realize and repent. Um, let's see. All right. So Ezekiel, okay, Israel asked Ezekiel, what are you doing? Um, here in the next few verses, so verses, is it 8 through 14? So this is the explanation. to. He, so he says, uh, the burden concerns the prince in Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who were among them. So going through, I mean, we can look back and I've, I think I've put some of the scripture references here. We can see 2 Kings chapter 25, Jeremiah chapter 39, chapter 52. It's also found in 2 Chronicles, I think, chapter 36, where towards the end uh, of the kingdom of Judah, of Jerusalem, we have Zedekiah currently, I guess, reigning. So whenever Jehoiakim... Where Ezekiel goes into captivity, this is when Zedekiah will come to the throne. He's placed there by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. So, and he'll reign for 11 years, and at the end of the 11th year, this is when the city is destroyed. Um, but when it was destroyed, it, it's interesting to note all of these descriptions describe kind of what had happened to him. So, um, you know, whenever the Babylonians had broken through the wall, Zedekiah and some of his princes take off. 
And so they're trying to make a run for it. And the Babylonians catch, capture them. Is it, I forgot, the plane, maybe the plains, was it the plains of Jericho? I, I forgot. But, but anyway, he captures them, or the Babylonians capture him. And then they take him to the border of Israel, which it's mentioned there. And, and by the way, they do this at night. So he, he tries to make a run for it under the cover of night, hoping that nobody will see them. So they ended up catching them. They take them to the north border of Israel there at Riblah. They pronounce judgment upon him. And I think you've heard this before. They, they kill his sons before his eyes. They poke out his eyes, put out his eyes, and then they carry him off to Babylon where he'll die in prison. So that that is, a, I think, a description of, of what's being mentioned here all the way through verse 14. Uh, 8 through 14, this prophecy. Also in verse 17, I think, okay, let's start in the new section there. Okay, uh, before we get to that, so there toward in 15 and 16, so verses 15 and 16, uh, God says, Then they shall know that I am the Lord when I scatter them among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. So once these things come to pass, they will know uh, this, this is God. This is Him directing and the things, you know, He's in control. He's doing these things. But also He says that He will spare a few of them from the sword, from, from these different types of judgments, so that whenever they come into the land, wherever He's scattered, scattering them, that they will know uh, and they will declare all the abominations among the people where they're at, the things that they had committed so that they would know that their captivity is is because God had sent them there for captivity. Questions, comments, additional comments, thoughts? No? All right, moving into verse 17. So there's another sign that, that Ezekiel does. It's the sign of eating bread with quaking and drinking water with trembling and anxiety. So, you know, whenever the siege or whenever... Uh, the Babylonians come against the the city. You know, you'll you'll see these things, uh, just typical of of um, uh, what is it called um, when they come and set up the siege mounds? What is it called? Siege, I guess. Okay. Whenever you're in a siege and everything, you'll see these things. And then also there in in uh, I think verse 21. So in verse 21, it says, And the Lord uh, came to me saying, so there was a proverb in the land that they were speaking that, um, you know, since it's mentioned here, I believe it is very upsetting to God. He said, Son of man, what is this proverb that, that the people have about the land of Israel, which say the days are prolonged and every vision fails? So, yeah. Yeah, it'll be... Let's see, this is the sixth year, so five years, Jerusalem will be destroyed, right? In the eleventh year. Right. And instead of two, instead of taking it. Right. And I think he, oh, I don't to live. We throw that, giving us every day to point to. Right. So I think we need to work thousands of years awful Israelite today. Yep. Yeah, it's good. That's a good point. And Miss Kim last week had said, "Well, didn't they receive the law? You know, there at Mount Horeb. You know, when Moses was there." And we said that was around what 
1500 BC, somewhere in there. So they have that, and and it, God all the way up to the last second, God is trying. He's he's tried everything that he can. Uh, there's a good summary that talks about that in Second Chronicles chapter 36, also where God sent them prophets day and night, you know, because He had compassion upon them, you know, trying to get them to repent, but they scoffed at the prophets and, and rejected the word. Yep. Good. Other comments? Okay. So just going through this real quickly. So we, we see this uh, parable. God is going to, I guess you could say, refute this or uh, answer this parable here in verses 21 uh, all the way down through 28. Um, there in verse, let's see, 23. God says, I will lay this proverb to rest, and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. He said, but, but tell, you know, he's, he says to Ezekiel, tell them, he said, the days are at hand and every fulfillment of every vision. Uh, for no more shall there be any false vision or flattering divination within the house of Israel. Whatever I speak, they will be performed. And then down in verse 28, he says, thus says the Lord God, none of my words will be postponed anymore, but the word which I speak will be done. So that that will be done even within their lifetime, which we have five more years, right? Okay. All right, that's the second bell, right? Okay. Didn't get down as far as I'd like, but we'll pick up from there in Chapter 13 next week. Thanks a lot.